Hello, and welcome to the Pacific Center podcast. My name is Dr. Greg Lane, and I will be your host as we explore many interesting topics with many amazing people from a variety of professional backgrounds over the months and years ahead. The focus of this podcast will be the intersection of the traditional healthcare practices of various cultures and the modern scientific research on peak physical and cognitive performance. This show will be delivered in an interview format. Quick disclaimer, while we may be discussing some health-related issues and therapies, in no way will this be construed as medical advice. As always, if you're seeking information or treatment for a medical condition, please consult with a licensed healthcare provider. So our guest today is Jack Miller, who is a licensed acupuncturist, has a master's degree in education, and is the president of Pacific College of Oriental Medicine. And I am so glad to finally get you in the studio for this podcast, Jack. Um, I first met you in 1990 when you interviewed me for acceptance into what then was called the Master's of Traditional Oriental Medicine degree. And I remember being so impressed by you at that time and just being awestruck at the prospect ahead of me and the school and the future ahead. I had really no idea what was to come and, and the trajectory that my life was going to take. And, uh, you know, know it or not, you were a huge influence on me in those formative years as I was studying to be an acupuncturist. And flash forward uh, 28 years now down the road, and, and now, of course, you, you and I are, were friends, we're colleagues, you were my mentor, one of them, and, of course, I work for you now. And um, so I'm just so happy to have you and have this time, you know, with you and wel welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for those kind words. So uh, give us a walk down memory lane, Jack. What, what was it like in the, in the early days when, when you were first interested in, in Chinese medicine? How'd you get started? Well, back in those days, we didn't even have stainless steel. We just used stones as needles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beyond stones. Wow. So we're going back a couple thousand years. <laughs> Uh, well, I first got interested in Chinese medicine. I was a natural food cook, um, very involved in the macrobiotic uh, movement in school. So I was really well aware of acupuncture, um, but I didn't know it was a licensed profession until about 1982, 83, when Bill Helm, who's a good friend of both of ours, um, mentioned to me he was actually giving me a massage as a wedding gift. Nice. Um, and I was telling him that uh, Leanne and I were actually thinking about moving to Los Angeles to go to LACC, which was the chiropractic college at the right. time. But Leanne was really actually having no part of moving to LA. Yeah. And so Bill said, well, you should check out the acupuncture school that I worked at uh -huh. or work at. And uh, I'm like, oh, I didn't really know that that was a, a real school that you could do that. And so it's actually very uh, fortuitous that he told me at the time that the program was just a two-year program. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, two years, I could, I could hold my breath for two years, right? Yeah. I mean, I could do it. So I'd kind of made up my mind that I was going to do it um, before I really looked into all the final details of what the education was. So when I went to meet with Joe Lazaro, who was basically the president of the school at the time, mm -hmm. and he told me it was three years, I had already made up my mind to do it, and I always think back that if Bill had told me it was three years, I may have never done the training. Right? Uh -huh. I might have, said, might have said, oh, that's just too much, yeah. and who knows, um, I might have uh, 
I don't know, move to Los Angeles and go to uh, Guitar Institute of Technology and be a famous guitarist at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you know my guitar playing, you'll know I made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> You're still aspiring to be that guitar I'm player. still aspiring, yes. <laughs> so, so this was 1982? Yeah, around 1982, 83. So I started school in 83 and it was a three-year program, graduated, must have been at the end of 85, 86. And this is CAC, right? California Acupuncture College, which had three campuses at the time, San Diego, Santa Barbara, and Los Angeles. And they uh, changed ownership right at that time, uh, right after I had graduated. And um, the new owners drove it into the ground as mm -hmm. fast as you could drive a business into the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, Joe Lazaro, Alex Tiberi, Anna Davidi, and Rick Gold started Pacific College to have a place where the students who were stranded at CAC in San Diego could go to school. And what happened to the SB So, so in, in LA, LA. Uh, there were already other schools in LA. Oh, okay. And Santa Barbara, it was the same thing. Uh, oh. Joanne and John Hickey started the Santa Barbara College of Oriental Medicine um, and operated for many years. And uh, it was maybe 10 years ago, we absorbed the students from Santa Barbara College. We taught out their students when that school really became untenable. Okay. Um, small town, Santa Barbara. Barbara, right. tough place to do acupuncture school. So, um, yeah, really, those four uh, started PCOM in mm -hmm. San Diego uh, in '87. Well, really incorporated at the very end of '86 and brought in first class in '87, mm -hmm. and ran the school um, with a colleague of mine um, from my class, actually, as the main administrator for about a year or so, mm -hmm. and then um, they approached me to. Uh, to take over running the school. I was in practice at the time with uh, Mark Kastner. We had both started the uh, Park Boulevard Acupuncture Clinic where Mark worked for many years after that. Uh -huh. um, and I uh, you know, came to work at Pacific College. Okay. And they so, made me part partner shortly after starting here. So 86 PCOM forms formally. CAC closes down. Yep. You, Joe Lazaro, Alex Tiberi, Anna Devedia, and Rick Gold are are basically running the school. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm basically I'm running it. You're and running. And they're it. doing the main teaching. So doing, they're doing uh, the teaching. As well as other key faculty from the early days, Charlene Penner. Right. Zev Rosenberg, who still well was with us till not too long ago. Right. Um, Cliff Lara. Mm -hmm. You know some of the early yeah. folks. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. Um, and so, so you were. That was a full time job, and you still were working clinical yeah, practice a bit. Yeah, before? just a bit. Um, it was really the perfect job for me. Um, I loved my time at CAC. I loved the curriculum. I loved being a student. Yeah. I really loved everything about it. I liked studying. Um, I liked the tests as kind of a challenge, you know, to see how well you you did you did on your studies. Yeah. Um, although I I must admit I hated studying for the California Acupuncture Board. Well, that was yeah. really stressful, yeah. and I still resent it to this day. I think they should get rid of state boards. <laughs> but other than that, I loved every bit of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And when Anna approached me and Rick, and we 
we all got together as a, a board and they asked me if I really wanted to do the job. I was just, you know, this has my name all over it. Yeah. I, I was just sure that other people would love the curriculum as much as I did too. Yeah. And turns out I was right. Yeah. yeah. And they must have er recognized early on in you your ability to, um, to, well, to study for one, to synthesize information and to yeah. organize it in a way that could um, really help an organization grow because I mean that's what I see in you on a day-to-day -day basis for sure yeah I think I mean they definitely I was a very good student I think that was probably first thing that got their attention and um, and then uh, Mark and I really started the first really nice clinic acupuncture clinic here in San Diego yeah. until then people were kind of you know working out of their house yeah. and things like that and we really put together a, a really nice operation there and, and I think they they saw that I had a business acumen and yeah. and wanted me to help them run the school and they, in fact they originally approached me and said you know you can do this part-time and you can still do your practice and I I did I guess it was probably for about a year or so mm -hmm. still kept patients um, but you know this this job really became you know overwhelming yeah. or at least <laughs> full-time that's for sure yeah I'm sure you were thinking about it 24 7 yeah, how, to, how to make it yeah, viable and yeah, grow it for sure um, so in, in your over th 30, what, 37 years, right? In the, in the field, uh, In this sure. field. Yeah. What have you seen as the, the major changes in, in Chinese medicine in, in America? In yeah. America? Well, certainly just overall has been the general acceptance, right? Uh -huh. um, uh, I mean, Chinese, Chinese medicine is, I don't know that I would call it entirely mainstream, but it's not, I mean, if it's not, it's awfully close. Yeah. Right. Um, certainly the, the expansion in what people look to Chinese medicine for mm -hmm. as patients. Um, you know, back in the day, really, it was mostly pain. Mostly and so pain. that's a large part of what we do. But yeah. now with fertility, substance abuse, mental emotional disorders, sports acupuncture, all the specialties, right? Mm -hmm. Digestive, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I think people do look at us as a complete medicine now and, and, and consider us for almost any kind of ailment. Mm -hmm. And like any medicine, it's not going to work for everything right. and, for every, and for everybody. But um, really, almost any condition can be treatable by Chinese medicine for the right person. Yeah. So I think that's been a big part of it. Um, certainly within education, that's been very dramatic. Um, when I graduated from CAC, I just earned a certificate right. in acupuncture. It wasn't even a degree, mm -hmm. right? And so then um, once we got accredited in 1990 uh, here at the San Diego campus and, uh, and applied to the California acupuncture, California Bureau of Private Post-Secondary Education for Degree Granting Authority to offer the master's degree that you earned, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then now, more recently, the doctorates. Yeah, that's right? huge. So I think it's a big thing for our profession. I think it's a will open up doors that mm -hmm. weren't available to us even at the master's level and certainly not at the certificate level. Yeah. And the training, I mean, my program was 1,800 hours and at the time was state of the art. Right. I mean, other programs were like 1,300 hours, right. right? So, you know, ours was a 
kind of an easy, by our standards now today, an easy three-year program, Yeah. right? Where now our programs are four years and they're killer. Yeah, and they're like yeah. 30, 32 almost. Yeah, over we had to cut th- them down from yeah, almost 35. Right? 3,500, well, and the doctorate is over 3,500 hours, doctorate right? So you really yeah. almost double yeah. um, what we were then. Yeah. yeah, a lot more training in Chinese herbs, a lot more training in biomedicine. In fact, the biomedicine is probably the biggest improvement. Yes. Um, and something that we're particularly proud of at Pacific College because we were at the cutting edge of that. We, you know, we were never shy about saying, this is what we think our patients need to yeah. see from us. This yeah. is what our students need to know, mm-hmm. right? We were all acupuncturists. Um, my four partners and I, you know, and so we knew what we were seeing in the clinic. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, we just needed particularly more biomedicine. Um, you know, funny story, Bob Flaws uh, wrote a book on gynecology. Right. And so Mark and I go, let's run an ad. We'll specialize in gynecology for a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so women started showing up, right? The ad was effective. Right. All I knew what was in that book, right? Yeah. And the women knew a lot more about what was going on with them than I did, right? right. It's really what cycle are you? Yeah, in? I mean, yeah. I had, I mean, compared to what the students know now, I literally knew nothing, right? right. And um, so right away, I was like, wow, that's we need to fix that. Right? Yeah. I can't have our graduates going out there and going shrugging their shoulders to their patients, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, that's particularly satisfying now to see our. Our grads, I mean, they go into, you know, multidisciplinary clinics of all type and hospitals, and they're they're very well respected. They know what they need to know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's been yeah. a huge, I've seen that, obviously, over the years, too, that the, well, the, the one thing you said was the, the um, you know, the integration aspect, how we're just part of mainstream. Yeah. I always tell my, my students, we're sort of at our adolescence in, yeah, our, in our profession. Probably a good description. We're not, we're not fully mature, are we yet? Because yeah, right. I mean, we're not in every hospital, right. we're not in no, every clinic, great. but we're getting there. Yeah, and the doctorate is, uh, you know, the recent upgrade to the master's degree as yeah. well as the entry-level doctorate. There's nine courses in that program mm-hmm. that are entirely focused on teaching acupuncturists to integrate into the modern medical system, yep. right? Whether that's evidence-informed practice, advanced integrative diagnosis, case management, pr- practice, uh, practice-based learning, mm-hmm. another hallmark of a professional. All those things, when the acupuncturists really embrace that, yep. makes them so much more confident yeah. about going into these multidisciplinary environments, right? For sure. So, yeah, we need. It's really incumbent upon us, I think, is the point you're getting at to be, you know, bilingual, trilingual, mm-hmm. if you will, because it is, well, yeah, I don't know what doctor you yeah. know that has studied Chinese medicine no. that's talking about when in, gene when efficiency. Yeah, when in Rome, I mean, let's yeah. face it, you know, I mean, acupuncturists need to know Western medicine totally. Yeah, whether they use it or not, and it would be a mistake to think that knowing more about something else waters down your system right for one you don't need to adopt a biomedical diagnosis model Mm -hmm. just because you know about it right but that you'll know a lot more about what the patient's going through Mm -hmm. particularly if you know what their treatments are you'll know side effects contraindications and things like that Mm -hmm. um you'll know how to talk to their providers right key key point totally key and you know even just from a practical practice building aspect if you can talk to doctors 
they'll refer you patients. Totally. They have all the patients. Yeah. Let's face it, right? I mean, they're treating ni- they're probably treating 100% of the patients in the country, you know, we're getting some of their patients. Yep. So the more we interact with them, uh, the more acupuncturists are going to be able to build their practices quickly. Yeah. And we know that that is uh, that's an area I think in our practice that 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 we need help uh, with as acupuncturists is is getting them comfortable building their practice and mm-hmm. and these tools like you say are so vital for that. Oh yeah, I mean the healthcare systems class right that's in the entry level doctorate and in the transitional doctorate now. Yeah. You know, we often think of the healthcare system when we see it on the news or whatever, when it's a political debate, and we think of it as just one thing. Right. But it's not. It's all these different kinds of systems, right? Mm-hmm. There's governmental agencies, non-governmental, there's for-profits, non-profits, there's, there's um, charitable organizations, there's clinics, there's mm-hmm. hospitals, all these different things, all with different expectations yep. for someone who's working within their system. Yeah. And so that class gives our graduates the, the, the knowledge so that when they go into that particular organization, what, what's expected of them. Yeah, that right? was, when I took that class, that was an excellent class. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't even really know what to expect, but like you say, that, that class really did open my eyes yeah. to, and if you, even if you think about here in San Diego, the big ones, Sharp or Scripps or UCSD, sure. each Kaiser. function yeah. sort of similarly, but they're so different. If you were going to work in one, it's going to be totally different yeah. than working in another. Yeah, and you know, we'll get to this probably a little bit later, talking about the health and human performance degree that we're we're rolling out. Mm-hmm. But acupuncturists, anybody who's building their career, you gotta take some chances. Yeah, good you know, point. you were asking me about you know starting Pacific College, right? Yep. I mean, you got to do those things when you're young, right? Right. I mean, you don't have to look. It's you're never too old. I shouldn't I actually shouldn't advance that. You really can always learn more. Yeah. But the time that where you have the least least risk is when you're younger, right? Mm. So you, any acupuncturist, young acupuncturists that are listening to this, yeah, you're going to be afraid to do certain things. You know, make those phone calls, create those networks, but just do it anyway. Yeah. The people you call are not going to yell at you. Right. They won't throw things at you. They right. won't physically harm you. Right. right. The worst that will happen is you'll be embarrassed. Right. Right. You know, how many times you've been embarrassed in your life? Exactly. Yeah, let's just add one more. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, go through. I still go through those things now. Right. Yeah. Make the call. Get in the yeah, door. You yeah, know. totally. You'll be surprised how nice people can actually be. Yeah. What um, what What's your view of the future of Chinese medicine? What, what do you think? Uh, where are we going to be in 10 years? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, every time I've been asked that question over the last 30 years, I've always said now is the best time yeah. to be entering this field. Mm-hmm. And it's always been true. Because yeah. it's always just gotten better and better and better. Yeah. Right, and so, I mean, hey, just it was just last year, give or take, American College of Physicians, right, in response to the opioid right. crisis, right. said acupuncture and other physical medicines like ours should be the first line of defense, yeah. first line of treatment for pain. Yeah. Right. Hey, it's, that's that's huge, and any joint commission hospital that's accredited by the joint commission has to have a program for the non-pharmaceutical treatment of pain, Mm -hmm. right? So they've got to train their people about this. So that's an opportunity for acupuncturists not only to get involved and treat patients, Mm -hmm. but to actually train other providers, right? right? We're part of the solution, yeah, right? So, uh, I mean, just the 
it, the future is very bright for anybody looking at this career, that's for sure. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about the symposium, which is it's coming up. No small, yeah. no small feat coming up October. Yeah. Yeah. End of October. I think first day is Halloween, October yeah. 31st. October 31st. Yeah. And yeah. for our listeners who have not attended, it is, it's like Mecca for acupuncturists. It's one of the largest uh, symposiums in the world for Chinese medicine. And um, it's just, a, and for those that have gone, you know what I'm talking about here. It, it's just, a, it's an opportunity to network, connect with your friends, with your peers, with your heroes in the medicine, with your instructors. Um, how, did, how did that come about, Jack? What, yeah, what, what, that was actually pretty fun. I remember exactly when it, we were at Yoshino's restaurant at the bottom of Washington <laughs> okay. Street, the five of us. Oh, yeah. And Joe was saying that he had scheduled a retreat with Ted Kapchuk uh -huh. out in Julian, oh. right? And so you know me, I'm a beach guy, yeah. right? I'm like, okay, how do I get this out of the mountains, <laughs> out to the beach? <laughs> the beach. Right? Sounds like a good time, but yeah, the beach, San Diego, right? right. Heck with the mountains. So, <laughs> um, and about a year or so beforehand, there had been a conference, acupuncture conference in San Francisco I'd heard about, and they had some cool speakers. And so I suggested to my partners that, you know, well, it's just as much work to do something with a bunch of speakers as it would be to just do it with Ted, you know, right. You know, it was not going to be just, it was going to be plenty of work. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so they just said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. So, oh, my God, the first symposium had more speakers than any symposium ever. Really? I think it was, it was really big. We had a lot of people. I don't know exactly how many. I could check. We still have the old brochures and stuff. But it was like I just invited everybody that I could think of uh -huh. that had something to say in Chinese medicine. Yeah. And um, it's really rewarding that so many of them are still regular speakers like right? who, are, so, who are some of the first so like jake fracken okay. uh, misha cohen uh, kiko matsumoto of uh -huh. course ted kapchuk uh -huh. whit reeves bill helm uh giovanni mashiosha of course who passed away a couple years ago yeah, rest in peace um yeah alex same thing yeah. um but uh yeah it was great and um you know a lot of credit uh goes to the people i was working with um we had a, a part-time marketing person who suggested that we should have exhibitors like yeah. what did i know about putting it on a conference so like i'm saying about take chances right you, yeah. you'll get the help that you'll need i think and um so she said yeah i should have exhibitors and i'm like wow that's great yeah. um so we did that and and have ever since you know now we the exhibitors are those spaces are really in demand oh, yeah. uh, we turn away people every we totally year. turn away yeah. bunches of exhibitors and um and they you know, obviously pay for that space and, and really help us keep the tuition reasonable, right? Because right. without them, we, it would literally be twice as expensive, right? right? So, um, I mean, because the catamaran charges us, what, seven bucks a cup of coffee uh, there? It's nine bucks. Oh, now. nine bucks. <laughs> nine bucks. Nine bucks are People don't realize it's the craziest <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's not, oh, dude, it's for the tea and the coffee. It's it, hot water. Yeah, hot water, $9. Yeah, $9 plus yeah. tax plus tip. Yeah, it's, it's well, here's the thing. In, the, in, in a hotel business's defense, yeah, sure. if they didn't charge you for that, they just charge you for something else, right? So they give right. you all the tea you want for free. Right. Okay, now we charge you for these rooms and right. whatever, right? So, you know, you, you got to pay your bills. And totally. that's what, you know, acupuncturists and 
you know, learn too, right? It's like we all want to do good um, by doing well. We want to do well by doing good, as the old saying goes. But, you know, you have to pay your bills. And and, and your patients actually completely expect to pay for your services. In fact, you make them uncomfortable if you're not clear about that, Mm -hmm. right? Because... Post your fee schedule. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, right. You don't know if... Wow, he didn't. He didn't want to talk about money. Well, maybe he's given to me for free because I'm a friend or something. Well, I'd really like to come back to see him, but geez, I don't want to impose. So you know, you just right. And if you know acupuncture said are uncomfortable talking about that, you just have your receptionist or something do it. Exactly. Right? Well, if you publish your fee schedule on yeah, your website and put and post enough. it in your office, right. you don't have to. Yeah, have it's simple. Everybody expects that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's like you go to a restaurant, you expect to pay for your food. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, for sure. So one of the thing I just do one one other thing I thought of about the symposium. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's been going on now for since '89 was the first one, and there were many periods in the development of our profession. It's better now, but there were many periods where it was really fractured, 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 mm, yeah. and fractious. Yeah. Contentious. With the with the different um, yeah different opinions about yeah different organizations different feelings sure. about how much. You know, uh, Chinese medicine should embrace biomedicine, right. and you know a lot of things like that. And and the thing that I really maintained at symposium was a, it was a, f- it was free from the politics. Yeah, always got requests. Let me talk about this. Let me talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. this position wants to be advanced. That I said, look, it's four days. Yeah, it's like Woodstock. Right? <laughs> four days of peace and love. Right. Just. This is all just about the medicine, right? Yeah. And so it's something I've resisted over the years, but I think it, I hope people appreciated that. Yeah. I, and again, I think we're in a better time now. Seems, feels more unified. Maybe I'm a little bit distant from some of the politics, but feels good in the profession now. So yeah. um, we're a little more supportive of um, some of the kind of activities. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time, it was now to study acupuncture, Chinese medicine. I think we still have work to do with the associations, obviously, the yeah. state associations. Yeah. I mean, CSOMA thinks doing a fair job, yeah. but nationally and other states yeah, are getting hammered by, you know, the onslaught of, like, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, dry, needle, dry needling yeah. and scope yeah. creep. And so what are your thoughts on that? Uh, like, how do we, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's really, it is. Um, in one sense, you know, imitation's the seriousness form of flattery, right? It's like PTs want to do acupuncture. Right. Why? Because it's great. Yeah. It works. Yeah. All right? So, you know, it's... I wear so many hats in this profession that it's hard to respond. Yeah. Um, as, as someone who has a vested interest in having acupuncture succeed, I certainly understand the perceived threat mm-hmm. but I also sometimes wonder if you know we're afraid for nothing yeah or if even if the PTs would advance our cause mm-hmm. in terms of third-party reimbursement mm-hmm. right in other words they get co- they're getting compensated now for really doing acupuncture call it whatever you want but right. they're doing acupuncture in some show in some form yeah does that help us we I don't know no crystal ball right and then I also put on the hat of just, you know, citizen of the world, you know, member of the public, potential patient. And you say, if someone can get the benefits of that by seeing an ac- uh, a physical therapist who may have never gone to see an acupuncturist, 
you know, you've helped them. Yeah. So you see it from all these different angles. And, you know, so I just kind of think acupuncturists should, they should be careful and, and probably should resist those legal, you know, challenges from the PT uh, profession when mm -hmm. they can, mm -hmm. as best they can. But also cognizant of those other issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, try to make the best of what's happening. And I suggest that we take the offensive. Yeah. And that is, PTs want to do some dry needling, then acupuncturists can do physical therapy techniques if they're trained to do them. Yeah. I mean, they're not difficult to learn in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, and so why not? And I would say the same thing goes for chiropractic. If mm -hmm. acupuncture schools want to teach chiropractic in a responsible way, mm -hmm. right? We certainly have enough of the biomedical uh, foundation, so we'd be mostly teaching the technique. Mm -hmm. Then it's something that could be explored. Now, I'm not suggesting that we actually do that, but it's, yeah. a, it's something that people in different stages of their career or different stages of the politics of medicine and regulation can consider. Um, you know, I always think of um, Dr. Michael Smith, another one of our pioneers who's yeah. passed away recently. Mm -hmm. um, he was an MD, right? Right. Um, and advanced the acupuncture uh, uh, techniques for substance abuse. Right. And very simple, right? Four or five points right. in both ears. Not a, not a protocol. Not a protocol. Yeah. And that got us accepted in so many states Absolutely. where we may not have been otherwise, right? Yeah. Where the regulators and the criminal justice system was so desperate for anything that could address substance abuse yep. because substance abuse and crime were essentially the same were one issue mm -hmm. um, that they said, if that works, we'll give it a try. Yeah. And then it worked, mm -hmm. right, really well yeah. to where we talk about what's mainstream. Acupuncture is mainstream in substance abuse. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right. And so when the regulators saw, well, acupuncture works so great for that, yeah. Now there's, here's these acupuncturists who want to have a broader scope of practice and want to, you know, do full Chinese medicine. Let's let them do it. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you give a little and you get more. Right. Right. So the people that were doing the NADA protocol were um, a substance abuse therapists, mm -hmm. right? They had to be in a approved facility, mm -hmm. um, often treating court-mandated um, patients. Um, and yet, you know, worked out really well for acupuncture. Uh, it was actually an area that I was really disappointed in in California. Now, this goes back maybe 10 years mm -hmm. where there was uh, proposed legislation to allow detox specialists to do the four-point needle, four- or five-point needle technique yeah. for substance abuse. Again, in an approved substance facility, right. substance abuse facility, yeah. overseen by acupuncturists only, mm -hmm. right? being done by trained therapists, mm -hmm. acupuncturists were basically going to get paid for watching, supervising, and signing their name. Yeah. But the acupuncture community was afraid that somehow that would leak over, and next thing you know, these people that were doing substance abuse would be doing uh, who knows what, weight loss, right. whatever. And so they resisted that. I mean, uh, you know, again, who knows, no crystal ball in 2020's hindsight, but... Um, you know, to me, that seemed like a great opportunity for acupuncturists to have a very positive impact and to expand 
our earning potential beyond just doing acupuncture, mm-hmm. right? right? To be, I, I could just sign my name. I can make a living. Yeah. Right. So, um, who knows? Maybe that'll come around again. But um, I don't think acupuncturists need to be worried about that kind of thing, because one, the training required to be a very good acupuncturist and a particularly a very good herbalist oh, yeah. is substantial. It's vast. Yeah. Right. And so. The guy, gal that's a, a, a detox specialist mm-hmm. who's really a trained substance abuse therapist, mm-hmm. right, who does a shorter course in, you know, in the hygiene and the kneeling technique for doing ear. Sure. I don't think they're our competition. No. <laughs> you know, they're, no. they're not going to be the fertility specialist, yeah. you know, the sports medicine. Ac- they're not going to be treating the San Diego Padres right. who's got a blown shoulder, right? right. So... Um, yeah, uh, that's, you know, but that's just me. <laughs> I think, no, I, I, I'm tracking right with you there. I, I think that there's no, no harm, no foul in, in having even, you know, strata of, of technicians like that are doing even pain. I mean, you know, even if you're, you know, if you're in a pain clinic over, you know, with a pain group yeah. and just having pain protocols, I think there's value in that. But I think one state, maybe it's Nevada, recently passed that. Um, training technicians for act for the NADA protocol. Oh. I think that well, just happened. Good for them. But I'm not. I'm yeah, not sure. Interesting. Which I'm going to look into that. You know, you you bring up another idea, and that is acupuncture assistance. Oh, for sure. Like every busy acupuncturist uses. We need help. Somebody to yeah. help them. Yeah. Technically, that person's not even supposed to take out needles, connect electrostim. Right. Touch needles. Yeah. So why isn't there? a acupuncture technician certification track yeah. where maybe it's massage practitioners or or even you know lay people that do a certain amount of training yeah. i don't know how much it is i haven't thought about a curriculum like that in a while but mm-hmm. maybe it's a year long mm-hmm. um, and then they become an acupuncture assistant it's mm-hmm. a nice job mm-hmm. and it's a stepping stone to being an acupuncturist themselves right yeah um, and it makes what most acupuncturists are doing anyway now legal yeah. Right. So uh, I think it's another opportunity. Yeah, totally. As as this, you know, profession really goes towards maturation, I think these types of things are are going to have to appear before the, the sure. board for yeah. consideration for sure. It's, it's in every, it's in most other professions when yeah. you look at it, right? Medicine certainly it's stratified all over the place. Nursing is stratified. Yeah. Um, and so why not? Um, yeah. That's more, interesting. Yeah, possible thing in the future. Yeah, I, I think right now we have a good opportunity with the California Acupuncture Board. When I was up there, you know, when yeah. I just went up there, yeah. they were they seemed really, you know, lucid. Nice. It seemed like they had a you know good yeah. relationship yeah. with. Good, the, that's a good thing in regulators. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I don't want to go down that road too far. <laughs> so, um, tell me, tell us about. The expansion east, and you know, what year did New York open? What year yeah. did Chicago open? How yeah. did you? What were you thinking? <laughs> That's what I was asking myself. One, one wasn't enough. <laughs> what was I, I got thinking? I got to open three campuses. Yeah, yeah, in the symposium. Yeah, in the symposium. Yeah. Well, um, those were, you know, again, the going back to get, do it while you're young, yeah. right? I remember so clearly, particularly in Chicago walking around there and going, what am I doing? I felt really alone. Yeah. You know, like it was like, wow, uh, this is uh, uh, this is really, you know, my baby to, you know, make or break. Um, New York, uh, 
it was similar, but you know, being from the area right. and having just such a tremendous affinity for New York, yeah. uh, I mean, just love the city. Felt more at home. I yeah. felt more at home, and yeah. I, and 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 it just, you know, there's certain things when you, uh, as a creative person, um, you know, it's like a chef. You're looking at the food. And you can kind of taste how it's going to be when it's put together. Right. Right. And you go, okay, I know this is going to work. This is really going to be a good dish. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was just that same feeling that I had, um, particularly about starting this job in San Diego. I just knew I could just taste the the potential of the of the of the profession. Right. 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 And so, same thing in New York. Um, uh, Doctor Art Stolbaum. His uh, lovely wife came to see me in San Diego and said, you know, New York just passed a law allowing acupuncture schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of looked at it and uh, I saw that there was no school in Manhattan. There was no school in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a tri-state campus, but they were in Connecticut because okay. there was no, couldn't be in New York. Right. And, and I just saw they hadn't really captured the market. Right. You know? Um, and, and Mark Seem, uh, he had his own, and still does, his own ideas about acupuncture. And he was Ma- the president. He was of the Tri president State. of Tri-State. Yeah. Um, very talented acupuncturist, um, uh, unique style, kind of based on uh, uh, trigger points mm-hmm. and um, Japanese style, and his own what he calls American style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I owe a lot to Mark. Uh, Mark's, uh, you know, he, he was there, right? And he got things going. Yep. Um, but I, I really felt like this in Manhattan, you know, center of the universe, right? Right. Needed a school like ours, comprehensive mm-hmm. training, yep. um, no compromises uh, in terms of the curriculum as far as we could do it at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we did. Um, and that was and that was 90, in 1993 when we were fully approved, and it took a while. Um, and it was at least a year and a half of waiting just for or or so, you know, getting the place together, yeah. hiring key employees, getting getting approval from the state, curriculum faculty. Uh, I mean, God bless them, Kevin Aragal, mm-hmm. who um, I had met through the Council of Colleges. Uh, was you know became a very good friend, um, both he and Marnie, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was able to lure Kevin away from ACTCM in San Francisco mm-hmm. to um, be the campus director. Okay, um, uh, and and Kevin's a brilliant guy. Uh, both he and Marnie are, are really strong academics yeah. uh, and really really smart, and um, and and Kevin. Is a, a great has great integrity and um, and high standards, mm-hmm. and so he um, again thank God he he really was able to um, earn the respect uh, of the uh, the acupuncture com- uh, community there the mm-hmm. te- potential teachers mm-hmm. right and so we were able to attract good faculty and um, yeah so yeah we started the first semester I had met. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Ohashi from the Ohashi oh, Institute, yeah. Ohashiatsu, yeah. uh-huh. and um, you know I forget who actually introduced us, um, but he let us use his space for the first semester, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, very grateful to him for that. And then, um, <laughs> and then, then we went looking for our own space and, and found a great a great spot in um, 
uh, in the Flatiron District. Right. You know, 21st uh, and Broadway. And I mean, our, and our timing for real estate was impeccable. Oh, that's good. I mean, that was um, so early 90s, right? It just New York was still funky. Mm-hmm. You know, Giuliani was just kind of just starting to clean things up. Um, uh, we uh, looked at some places down on 7th Ave and 14th Street that were like, oh my God, we go to the the basements of these buildings. Is a, yeah, it just really something <laughs> Once else. Once the rats ran away, totally, you could kind totally of see the like potential. That. But yeah, we found this place was um, a, uh, a former school, like a medical technician or something like that. So it was built out as a school. Uh-huh. And, and so, yeah, and the market was just flat on its back nice. and we got a pretty good deal. Um, and so then... <clears throat> As uh, then the market just started to improve because like the city got hipper and cooler and safer and the area Flatiron got really hip, and um, that lease was up in 2003. But going up into that was like 98, 99, right? Was like dot com bubble, yeah. right? And yeah. and there, that was uh, Silicon Alley in New York, and um, and the rents were just going sky high, right? Uh-huh. And then the one good thing about the dot com bust. Just, just rents it rents dropped down again. right when our 10-year lease was up oh, so we perfect. were able to re-up again t- uh, till 2013 by then uh rents were b- again back to astronomical and yep. uh they they just we couldn't afford to stay in the flat iron district too hip for us yep. so now we moved downtown to the financial and now district, the financial right? district and now downtown is like totally cool now yeah. right a lot more residential cool stores and shops and restaurants moving in so uh pacific college is taking credit for the rejuvenation of those two neighborhoods <laughs> uh, of new york in general <laughs> yeah just new york in general we're very <laughs> yeah. modest right, right, right. <laughs> yeah i love the city i love it i mean in, you know chicago same kind of thing um dynamic city Damn it. Oh, I mean, Middle and the, the people, you know, yeah. uh, New Yorkers get a rap for not being nice, but New Yorkers are super friendly. I mean, they're gr- New Yorkers are great people. Yeah. Um, but Chicago, oh my God, nice they're people. friendlier than anybody I've ever met. Right? Yeah. They're just the greatest. Um, and great food. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful city, too. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so we've been there since 2000. It was a kind of similar thing. You know, there was a, a school there, but they were kind of out of the out of the city, um, and um, you know, we, so we came in there again with a, a no compromise curriculum, and you know, attract the quality students, students who really want to study complete medicine. Yeah, you know, do the prereqs and earn their degree. So now here we are, end of almost end of 2019, three campuses, 30 some odd years in. We've yeah. got how many students do we have uh, tri campus wise? Oh, uh, well over over 1,500. 1,500. Yeah, count online, it's, it's closer to 2,000 yeah, now. We've expanded from yeah. uh, from just Chinese medicine to now yeah. nursing. Mm-hmm. In a minute, we're going to talk here yeah. a little bit about another program that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Yeah, you bet. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about um, sort of a key event in the college's trajectory, and that is, um, you know, the original partners, they were, they were retiring. Alex wanted to... You know, go do his thing in yeah. in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Anna was looking at retirement, and yeah. Rick had his other projects going on, and yeah. and you had an opportunity to come up with uh, with Quad Partners. So how mm-hmm. how'd that go? Quad Partners are, are the greatest bunch of guys. Um, yeah, it's exactly like you said. Um, 
it was uh, probably about 2006 where I started to realize that I was going to need more support to ensure that the school continued to thrive, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, Alex, those guys were key teachers for such a long time, and then they weren't teaching anymore, right? right? Um, Alex was out of town. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and then also the regulatory environment in education was changing, becoming even more technical. I knew that we were going to need to diversify mm-hmm. um, our programs and the levels of our programs, even the existing programs, mm-hmm. um, which was going to mean a different kind of accreditation. Right. Right. And then um, other, other aspects of education were becoming more sophisticated. And so, yeah, we just thought, you know, we need to bring in more sophisticated partners. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, we're very lucky to have met. Uh, quad partners um, uh, I'm really proud to call them my friends I mean Dan Neuwirth uh, uh, Russ Dritz uh, Lincoln Frank uh, Basil Katsimakis nicest guys you're going to want to meet mm-hmm. um, Dan and Russ and I Dan, they, those guys were in my jam band in New York mm-hmm. um, Russ he's a quintessential New Yorker mm-hmm. but writes country music <laughs> right Dan is a good surfer you'd yeah. really like him uh, all around kind of water guy uh, athlete um, you know, super nice guys. You know, it, it, people say, oh, private equity, hedge funds, like as if they, I don't know, somehow these guys are all, you know, have horns and a tail. Right. And they're just, you know, people like everybody else. And, 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 and Quad in particular is entirely focused on education. They yeah. really love education, right? Mm-hmm. And so all their b- investments are in education. And, um, and so they were very, very helpful to us. Um, they've never interfered in one, in any shape, in mm-hmm. the mission of Pacific College. Yep. They've never had one thing to say about, you know, how what what's Chinese medicine? Why do this or that? I mean, they know what we do, obviously, but right. they don't direct the school at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, they occasionally are like, "What's new?" Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, we've. It's been an evolution with them. It's been 11 years now. Um, and in the first really five or six years was a slow development because we right away started to seek WASC accreditation. Right. And once you go into the initial WASC, um, uh, WASC, which is regional accreditation, right? Um, once you go into their process for initial accreditation, they kind of expect you to say kind of the same. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see a lot of growth, a lot of new programs while you're in that in that phase, right? right. So we couldn't really do much mm-hmm. in terms of developing new programs. But since the WASC accreditation, right, we've d- done the, um, our NTBSN program. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the transitional doctorate, mm-hmm. entry-level doctorate, um, both uh, online and on ground. Um, and now the medical cannabis mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the MS uh, in uh, health and human performance. Yep. Um, so those guys, those guys have been great. I, I really, you know, for anybody that cares about our partners, um, you know, they could call them up, see what they see what they think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, great guys. And so, um, I, I I don't want to leave out Stacy. And when 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 yeah. did you bring? Stacy Gomes into the mix. I know Stacy's in, just an incredible academic yeah, vice yeah. president of academic oh, affairs sure. here. Well, let me let me jump back even first before yeah. that, since we got kind of a little history of Pacific, yeah. and bring up uh, Elaine Gates oh, yeah, Milliner. Please, all right. Yeah, we, um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, Elaine has, I mean, she's retired, which I'm very, I feel very proud that she was able to retire, yeah. right, from this profession, from this school. Um, but, you know, key, key person key, here. Couldn't yeah. have done it without her. So she was the registrar, I think. She was I, everything. When I came. Right. She, yeah. she started, you know, it was just her and I and a receptionist. Right. And then, and you know, we were just dividing everything up. And Elaine would always go, oh, if you, you don't want to do that, I'll do it. If yeah. you don't want to do that, I'll do it. I mean, she just Always with a smile. Everything. Too. Oh, just the greatest, right? Yeah. Like my wife, Leanne, goes, Elaine's a saint. Yeah. And I'm not arguing with that, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, she's she's the greatest, uh, and w- yeah, wish her all the best. Yeah. Um, so Stacy and I were classmates out at San Diego State yeah. in the uh, master's degree um, in education, educational technology, and I met her there, mm-hmm. um, and you know, really didn't get to know her very well. Um, you know, was impressed by her personality, and but I think we'd only had one class together, or saw her around, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, she just showed up one day here at Pacific College huh. saying, hey, I want to work for you guys. What do you do, you know? Nice. And I think at the time, it, I don't know if it was just timing or I made the space for her, but I was like, you know, I need someone like you as academic dean. Yeah. You know, someone who can really uh, work with me on accreditation stuff, right? Yeah. All the technicalities, the paperwork, the rules, regulations, and curriculum so development. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, I can't remember if we had somebody move aside or or what. Or it uh, could have been Mon Ling was moving into something else. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah. And and you know. And and honestly, to her credit, she took some flack, right? Because she's kind of the first non-acupuncturist that had a kind of key academic role, right? Right. But I'm like looking around going, I got subject matter experts everywhere. Right. I don't need another acupuncturist, right? right? I need an educator. I need someone who knows about education. Absolutely. And she lives, breathes, eats yeah, education. Yeah, absolutely. I had done yeah. a lot of research and stuff. And so, um, yeah, that was, she reminded me just the other day that it's been 22 years. Wow. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. 22 um, years. You know, time goes by so fast. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, she's great. I mean, she's really great. And, I mean... Right now, she's up to her elbows in it. You she know, we're is. into yeah. our uh, reaffirmation of our regional accreditation process. Uh, they're going to be showing up here next week, and we'll be ready. You know, we'll be ready. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of time and time passing uh, quickly and in a blink of an eye, it was literally three years ago. I was clinic director at the time, and and you came into my office and were explaining to me something about your interest in peak performance and. And you're really jazzed. And I remember this clear as day, you and I talking about what you were reading and all the books. Yeah. And for those of, of those of our listeners who know you or, or those that don't, you're an insatiable uh, reader and you're, you're always on a quest for knowledge and uh, committed to lifelong learning. And that's, that's just part of who you are. But I could sense this passion yeah. in you yeah. for what you were thinking about. And I, was, I wonder if you remember that day or that conversation and... Or, or what was the genesis of your interest in, in peak yeah, performance? I really I remember clearly. And um, the the peak performance, it's, again, one of those things, again, back like the chef, where you're going, yeah. you see a concept and it resonates, right? Yeah. And, and it's kind of one of the ways you can know, or it's at least it's some evidence that maybe you're on the right track for something, right? I yeah. mean, you don't. I don't want to do everything by intuition. Sure. Right? I'm not advocating that at all. You got to do your homework. Sure. Right. But 
if you start to if it feels good yeah right and it's a and it's a kind of toward life affirming kind of idea yeah you know you might be onto something so i discovered um tim ferris mm-hmm. right and his podcast and his book it's like um, tribe mentors and or is the one before that we, no 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 not the four hour he's got another kind of tribe of something book okay. it's, it's it's like anyway it's all like well-known people and their advice right right so and i think the reason why it re- re- resonated with me is that you know, we really kind of am an educator at heart, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, really like the field, yeah. right? And I like to learn, yeah. right? Um, different things, and and here was this guy going, here are all these cool ways that you can be better at whatever it is that you want to do, yeah, right? So in that book, there's advice about learning modern, you know, run faster, jump higher, you know, lose weight, gain weight. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know get ahead in business, all this kind of cool stuff. And it wasn't just kind of the typical cliches that yeah. you get from every kind of pop psych book that's out or, you right. know, the latest business book. Um, there's people that really had done it, mm-hmm. right, all very accomplished in their field. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool to do a curriculum where I started actually thinking of it based on chakras, right? And I, I kind of uh, follow the system where the chakras also relate to kind of uh, human domains, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, if you could have courses that kind of reflected each of those subjects. So basically, you know, spirituality, creativity, mm-hmm. athleticism, mm-hmm. you know, your own immunology, sexuality, digestion, all those various aspects of our body and our our human life experience. Mm-hmm in a curriculum. I thought that would be super interesting. I mean, no doubt it would be, right? Yeah. Um, but then I went, oh, well, wait a minute. It's got to be a career, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, so I discovered the coaching, health coaching, life coaching, wellness coaching, and I thought that that would be a very good vehicle for this kind of subject matter, yes. right? Um, and so, I mean, that's what we've been developing over three years. It's taken a long time because... Um, well, I mean, one, the subject matter is vast. It is vast. Uh, and so deciding what kind of prerequisites someone should have coming into it, who's it going to be for, um, what's just this coaching thing, right? right? I mean, I didn't really know much about coaching. I'd heard about it, but it was like, it took me a while to wrap my head around it. Like, what do you need coaching for, <laughs> right? Right, right. Um, like, I was kind of, I never did that, right? So, I mean, I certainly get it in an athletic environment, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. But and I'd heard about life coaching, whatever. But and business coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I had never experienced it. I guess is kind of the main thing for me, right? Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to get okay. These, this is something of value that career or that profession. But the more I learned about it, I also saw okay, they could use more content. For sure. Right. So you have the structure of coaching, and it's kind of. Um, uh, non-denominational, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the coach can be a coach of anything and yeah. can be effective because of the way they interact with their clients. Mm-hmm. But I also saw, and I and we've seen this as we've talked to more coaches, that there's sort of a bleed over into different areas, mm-hmm. right? And so that as they give their clients information, let's say about diet, mm-hmm. 
or workout regime, then in that way they become more of a consultant right. or an educator. Right. Or maybe they're even modeling those behaviors and then they become even more of maybe like a mentor. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so I saw that if you had a coach that really had a lot more information about nutrition, about performance psychology, performance physiology, and then they also had the skills that a graduate student would have of being able to access current literature, mm-hmm. right? And then through those subjects, be knowledgeable enough to read the literature. Because right? yeah. if you just pick up a journal, right, some, that stuff can be pretty dense. So Absolutely. you can't, you know, you need a little bit of training to really access it. Um, then I thought we'd had, that we had a program there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think we do. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, uh, I'm just super excited about all the potential, right, that there is for um, uh, having a positive effect on clients' lives and on and on the students' lives as well, right? Yeah. Because the whole program is going to be a journey of self-discovery, mm-hmm. right? You can't be a coach and kind of be fake, right? right? You got to know your own strengths, your own weaknesses. Maybe you got even. Maybe it would help if you failed a few times at something or other, right? Yeah. And um, and then you kind of go, okay, I've got some empathy for what my clients are going through, um, and then you know tie that in with their own particular specialty interests, mm. right? Now that we have students in the program that are elite athletes, yeah. Right. So you can see, wow, they'd be with all this skill and knowledge, and then they're experience in the field right. could be great athletic coaches right other people that have more business interest right mm-hmm. and so can relate to business person um so that's it's it's super exciting i mean i want to invite um different kinds of trainers into the program because yeah. i think um there's a lot of people who are coaches or trainers who maybe don't get kind of recognition as that, in, mm-hmm. is particularly in this field of coaching, right? Yeah. When you think about it, everybody's going to know, oh, famous coaches, you know, Vince Lombardi or whatever, right. uh, Bill Phil Camp. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Jack, right. The, um, but, hey, what about San Diego here on the police force, right? right? How, who trains those guys? Right. I mean, man, if I'm a cop, you, those guys have to be really centered, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about, like, CHP, right? He pulls yeah. somebody over on the highway. Yeah. He doesn't know... You know, from minute to minute, what he's walking into, yeah. right? How does he keep his head on straight? Yeah. And then how do you deal with <laughs> John Q. Public, yeah. right? So, I mean, I think like that, or we have the SEAL team training right here at Coronado, Absolutely. right? Yeah. I mean, talk about training, yeah. right? I mean, that's as, that's as, as crazy as it gets, right? Yeah. Getting guys like that to come in and talk to our students, right? It's super, super interesting. Yeah. yeah. And our students are, I mean, this first group of students is really amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have... Like you said, you know, professional athlete, yeah. you know, lifelong athlete. We've got uh, uh, acupuncturist works for one of the professional football teams yeah. in America here. It's yeah. pretty, pretty. Yeah, impressive. very, very elite group to form our kind of uh, uh, inaugural cohort. Um, really hand selected to help us develop the program, mm-hmm. right? Because as you'll remember, one of the things that we thought we could also bring to the field of coaching was the integration of the wisdom of Chinese medicine. Yeah, key. Right? And so, I mean, Chinese medicine is the longest, probably the foremost system of wellness, longevity, longevity and performance, right? right? I mean, that's been 
its focus for right. so long, right? I mean, it's a value in, in Chinese culture, right? To live a long time, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. You, so to do that, you have to be healthy. So we thought with that, as well as the understanding that Chinese diagnosis can bring, mm-hmm. right? There are systems of um, personality as well as um, physical analysis that can sort of type a person, Mm -hmm. right? And so by having a sense of what kind of person your client is, you can give them better advice, right? right? And it's pretty simply understood, right? I mean, if somebody's very, very sensitive, right? You have to approach them much differently than somebody that's, you know, hypertensive and, you know, type AAA, right? I mean, so, um, and and Chinese medicine can refine even that kind of um, insight into a person's personality and physicality as well, Mm -hmm. right? And because that's super important when you're talking to them about their wellness. Absolutely. And, you know, with that, you mentioned the Chinese medicine as being one of the oldest sort of you know, approaches to, to what we're seeing now um, and what a- actually is, you know, in, in a way being termed bio, biohacking. Yeah. So what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the biohacking and um, yeah. how that's emerging in, yeah. in healthcare and people yeah. are kind of gravitating towards that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's super interesting, right? I mean, it's got a lot of buzz and pizzazz. I mean, it's a, just the name, biohacking. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm like a like the Terminator, right? right? I mean, uh, um, and, and I'm a guinea pig, you know, N of one. I'm, I'm my own controlled study, yeah. right? Um, I think there's a lot to be learned from that. Um, and, but I certainly, as a medical professional, as well as an educator, think that there's a lot to be cautious about. For sure. Right, yeah. and so that I think it's another reason why I like this Health and Human Performance program at the graduate level Mm -hmm. so that everyone will take an evidence-informed approach to anything that really comes out of their mouth, right? Um, And so when someone comes to you and they want to talk to you about, you know, biometrics, let's say, I mean, those are pretty benign, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if they also want to talk to you about microdosing psychedelics, I mean, it's a completely different conversation, right? And so you want to know what exactly they mean Mm -hmm. right what do you mean by microdosing (laughs) what is the substance and how much is the microdose exactly and and here's the evidence you know and here it all it also could depend on the person's their age their background i mean someone who's 21 that wanted to do that you might try to move them in another direction right Mm -hmm. that's a very tenuous time Mm -hmm. for people um, as they're really transferring from adolescent to adulthood yeah. when, you know, uh, mental illness can oh, arise, sure. right? And and so, you know, you combine that with psychedelics, yeah. that might not be advised, right? So, I mean, these are just examples, but the, the I'm not an expert in biohacking. I'm fascinated by the concept. Um, I admire uh, and I'm kind of amazed by some of the people who are more um, representative of that movement, mm-hmm. right? And the um, activities and experiments that they'll run on themselves yeah. is pretty cool, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that if they they let if they can really um, quantify and document their results, mm-hmm. 
um, again, it's N of one, but it gives us a clue to what needs further study. Yeah. And um, yeah, so guys like um, you know Ben Greenfield, D David Asprey come to mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, super interesting guys, yeah, right? For sure. And Paul. Um, yeah, Paul, Paul Check, yeah. Uh, you know, who's right here in San Diego. Um, I mean, I mean, talk about a, a real uh, you know master of uh, you know wellness and and um, physiology, um, kinesiology. I mean, you talk about well-read. Mm -hmm. um, his library is Pulse. very impressive. Yeah. yeah, and and it's not for show. Yeah. Um, and 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 really, um, someone who's complete, completely committed to his craft. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've uh, he's been on our podcast before, yeah. um, and 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 real real interesting. Yeah, and we uh, consulted with him with that development. I yeah, think we should. Yeah, you know, for sure. Give some yeah, credit to some of the people. Absolutely. That we, uh, I mean, Paul yeah. Check. Um, uh, Matt Walden, um, Amy Albright, who's associated with Asprey's yeah. uh, work, um, uh, you know, uh, those guys were really helpful. Um, you know, Matt, uh, who's a senior instructor with Paul Check and Check Institute, um, was very helpful in our physiology class. We were definitely looking for some direction yeah. there. Um, I mean, the challenge in the program is that any of the topics that we're going to engage in can be entire programs themselves. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you can yeah. go all the way from a bachelor's degree to a PhD in, in nutrition and oh, yeah. physiology and psychology and research, I mean, in Chinese medicine. So all those are their own specialties. And, and, and so to have someone who can um, uh, translate between the disciplines yeah. um, and coach um, can be a, a real valuable member of the team, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, again, back to a sort of um, uh, athletic example, you know, if you've got an athlete who um, they may have a specialist in nutrition, they've got their exercise physiologist, they've got maybe um, uh, even a, a psychologist, you know, you can, as the coach, coordinate those those uh, those specialists yeah right and and make sure that you know just like in medicine that you know you don't have things that are conflicting with one another absolutely yeah. what is the uh, what is the direction you see for the the HHP the coaches coming out of our master's program where, where do you see them working and having the greatest impact in society well I mean the cool thing about it is that it's while it's a health coach certificate along with the master's degree um, if someone doesn't want to be a coach the education that they'll get will give them broader opportunities yeah right and so just as a health educator you can work as a health journalist you could work as a consultant in a nutritional products company mm -hmm. right you could work in marketing you, you you're going to gain a greater understanding of the entire field so you'll be valuable to marketing um, you may do product development um, uh, and then there's also obviously the coaching so there's right. health coaching wellness coaching life coaching there's the what you mentioned was executive coaching mm -hmm. super interesting there's even more of like a team approach right or um, uh, yeah or 
a group approach to coaching, right? So going yeah. into corporations and um, and having a, a, a defined program for mm-hmm. their employees. Maybe it's uh, heart healthness, health, heart healthy health, heart health. Heart Thank health, you. Yeah. Uh, or um, uh, diabetes control, mm-hmm. weight control, substance uh, habit control. Stop smoking. Mm-hmm. You know, drink less. Whatever their particular concerns are. Maybe you have those as a as a series, but. Um, uh, the the potential for business to use coaches Huge, in their yeah. in their human relations departments is really big. I mean, uh, you know, uh, people in any business are the biggest resource, Absolutely. no doubt, right? Um, yeah, machines, are, you know, that's easy to replace. You know, yeah. People, I mean, yeah. you've got so much training in them. Um, they they. You want to keep your people, yeah. right? So turnover in businesses is, is a is a is a big problem, is a big big expense, mm-hmm. and even just not even if it's turnover, even if it's absenteeism, right? Absolutely. Low back pain causes business. I mean, I I used to know the numbers when I was studying wellness programs, but um, I mean, low back pain alone, if you could millions of you know, dollars a year, yeah, yeah, keep you know just help somebody with their posture you maybe yeah. give them a an app that they can use that gets them out of their seat every 25 minutes or whatever right so all these things that coaches can can give to businesses um you know just lead to higher profits more productivity for, yeah. for everybody really yeah. it's a win-win benefiting society at large absolutely absolutely so I want to ask you some some general questions just about how you you know w- what do you do for yourself so like what do you because you're you're a really healthy. I mean, I know you. You're a healthy guy. You're, you're I hope so. <laughs> you're, 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 you surf. You drive. You yeah. you race. You've got yeah. a lot of. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. You, you enjoy your life with your beautiful wa- yeah. wife. You guys yeah. travel a lot. Yeah. You have, you know, a lot of interests. So, so what are you yeah. what are you reading right now? What are you what are you listening to? You know, uh, what, what sort of things do you do? Well, for um, you know, I'm a, actually. A big magazine reader, so I'm, I'm, you know, Scientific American, Forbes. I mean, I'll, I like, you know, stuff that I can digest pretty quickly. Um, but also, um, have been reading a lot of books yeah. uh, pertaining to the health and human performance program over the last few years, yeah, right? For sure. So, for um, those of you who don't know Jack, he's always got a, about six books on his desk or yeah. home or. Yeah, it's all just to show up, impress you. I, I, <laughs> no. I never, never open any of them. Yeah, right. No, but really, um, I, I actually, it's a good question because I was just thinking about doing a, a, a little email out to our students yeah. because I've read uh, a few books that I thought would be really relevant mm. uh, to them, uh, just being more effective students. Such as? So, okay, so um, one book is called Endure mm-hmm. by Alex Hutchinson. Yeah. And... Um, Alex goes into every aspect of endurance and every technique to improve endurance. And he was a, a long distance yeah, runner. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. And Alex Hutchins. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. All these are, you know, available on Amazon for sure. Yeah. And um, so that book, it gave a lot of information. Many of, much of it was directed at athletes. Mm-hmm. But what I, he kind of summarized in the end, he was saying, if I could distill, if oh, if I could only do one thing of these endurance tips, mm-hmm. somebody asked him, what would you do? And he said, positive self-talk oh. was the most effective, had the most 
powerful effect on performance. Isn't right. And so he was looking at nutrition, yeah. hydration, vitamins, all, you know, right. different kinds of training techniques. And he was like, you know, you can do it. Yeah. That's it. Right. Yeah. So for students, you can just see, right. I mean, yeah. it, it, our acupuncture program is a four year program. Yeah. Right? Even the HHP program, the master's is going to be, you know, two years for most people. Yeah. There's going to be time where you're going, ah. Why did I do this, right? You don't always get up with the same level of uh, right. enthusiasm. Yeah, exactly. If, if only, right? So that you can do it. The other one was uh, Spark. And that one is by um, Dr. John Reedy. And that one, it's a pretty simple book. It's all about exercise uh -huh. and its positive effect on everything. Yeah. And I thought John got a pretty good deal right in this book because the whole thing could have been summarized in Exercise is good for everything. <laughs> so now you don't need to read the book. Open Sorry, close. John. But, but it's actually a very nice book, well-written, good research. Okay. And all these books are fantastic bibliographies. Yeah. Right? So you go to the book and you want to do more research. You can, you can spend your next life just going through the bibliographies of just these couple books. Right. Um, so that's a good one. But his, the beginning of his book, he shares a study where they had – uh, kids uh, from a low-performing high school mm. run around the track. I think they did like a mile, but just anyway, they had to get their heart rates up. Yeah, and then before class, before class, their scores went up. <laughs> they went from the bottom to the top, right? It's like you That's can't. That's the even, only thing they changed. It's all that was it, right? And so, and all the evidence that he showed was if you do some exercise before you study, yeah, you're going to get more out of your study. So yeah. again, for our students. Park further away, right? <laughs> Hike up the hill, yeah. right? And you know, move your chi, right? Move the chi, right? Yeah. And and it's uh, you're gonna. The other one is um, distracted mind, and the next two books. In fact, I just saw both these guys speak. Uh, the distracted mind is Dr. Adam Ghazali, neuroscientist at UCSF, I think. Yeah. Okay. And um, his whole book, it's pretty dense, uh -huh. uh, and um, it's. You know, well written, but you know, it's not beach. It's not a beach read. Right. Um, but Dr. Ghazali is super interesting guy. Very good speaker. He's got tons of YouTubes, um, and I and and mostly delivering the same mes message. Um, well, two messages. He's he's involved in one other thing I'll talk about. But this this one is the distracted mind, mm -hmm. and it's basically again can be summarized in you think you're doing well at multitasking, oh. you're not. Yeah. Right. And so as a student. Put the phone away, Don't turn the computer off, yeah. turn the TV off, and study, yeah. right? You'd be better off studying for a half hour like that yeah. than an hour of, you know, distracted. Yeah. So that's another good one for students to know. The last one is Why We Sleep oh, yeah. by Matt Walker. And that one's real popular, easy to read, yeah. um, interesting because everybody's interested in sleep, right? And then nobody gets enough in our culture. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so great because, like, you know, you used to think, oh, I can't be a great CEO. I can't be a great, you know, whatever. Hours I gonna, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sleeping too much, right? Yeah. And now he's like made sleep cool again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Thank you, Matt. Right. Right. Um, so. But the um, appropriate amount. Not. He's not suggesting right. you sleep. Yeah, like he's, Twelve hours. No, a day. he actually did point out towards the end of the book a sort of diminishing return above nine hours. Okay. Um, I'm now going to currently study that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm try to sleep ten hours and see if I get worse or not. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah. Really good speaker. Both he and, and, and um, uh, Dr. Ghazali did a tag team thing at a club that I belong to up in uh, Napa Valley. Uh -huh. and, um, but the thing that I didn't like, that the message that he had, and the, um, 
and the thing that I will be warning students about, not only sleep enough, but alcohol disturbs your, the quality of sleep that you need to learn. And, you know, I, I don't drink during the week, but I like a glass or two on Friday, Saturday. Right. And, you know, so, and, and, the, and the, unfortunately, the, the um, effects were persistent. Mm -hmm. Like they had people study a bunch, mm -hmm. and then they test, and then they had people drink a little bit uh, midweek, mm -hmm. and then had people not drink, and they tested those groups. And the and the and the drinkers did a lot worse. Even and so they tested them at the end of the week, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like they were drunk before they took the test, right? Mm -hmm. They had like three days of not drinking, but the alcohol effects were persistent, and so it, it's disturbing. Um, uh, I'd have to go back and double double check the book. It's either disturbing the deep deep sleep. I think it's disturbing both deep sleep and REM, mm -hmm. where your hippocampus is delivering the information to your prefrontal cortex where it gets stored for a longer time mm -hmm. and um, and so yeah you know unfortunately um, you know if you want to be the best student possible limit your alcohol um, in fact you'd probably want to you know limit it as much as possible say to the weekend yeah. so while you're studying during the week you know yeah. what you're getting what you're studying on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is being absorbed on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, Sunday. Right. So anyway, those, you know, I don't want to belabor it, but... Um, uh, In that book, did he talk about uh, THC consumption? You know, it's interesting that you, he doesn't, but I asked him about that. Uh -huh. I asked him about CBD okay. at, the, at the lecture that I went to. Yeah. And he said the THC is much like alcohol okay. and its effects negative same, negative same hippocampal neg negative effect on cortex. sleep now he didn't yeah. relate it to learning although he has it in his book about the alcohol mm -hmm. when i asked him he just addressed its effect on sleep okay. right that it, it it lowers the quality of your sleep mm -hmm. um cbd he actually said there was some po promising um evidence mm -hmm. but there needed to be more research yeah so yeah um the other uh, good one is is very uh very interesting and that is um uh i can't remember her name but reality is broken is the name of the book oh yeah and that's um mcgonagall uh forget her first name and that's about the gamification and that's about the gaming yeah yeah and you know video games now get so much bad press right? right i mean it's blamed for everything from mass shootings to people wasting their time right um but her evidence is really quite the contrary hmm. that even the violent games hmm. right build a sense of community mm -hmm. build um uh like vigilantes no, well yeah builds a connection <laughs> like you they tend to help each other, right? So I'm right. playing and I know how to get through this maze or whatever, so I help you, right? right? And so that builds that kind of connection. And then there's also the, you know, attention span and all that. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing she did say, though, it was the um, playing violent video games against pure strangers mm -hmm. was negative. Hmm. That there was a sort of... Uh, um, Develops kind of an insensitivity and yeah. a and a, a mocking, a you know. Yeah, but playing even with your friends. So that was kind of interesting. I that thought is interesting. Um, and it doesn't have much to do with you know. I was reading all the other ones to our students. Right. Um, that one maybe not so much. Other than maybe morale, you uh -huh, know, to uh -huh. building camaraderie. Yeah. And of course, you know, she had a lot of really specific games, and and not and most of them were not you know the shoot 'em up stuff. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, but, you know, again, it's always interesting to find someone with a little bit different take on popular information or popular myth even yeah. and say, hey, you know, she's a PhD. She's doing her work. She has really no particular skin in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not selling the games. So, um, oh, I knew where I was going with that. It was back to Dr. Ghazali and mm -hmm. the, his second theme mm -hmm. is that he actually does develop um, vi video games specifically to enhance cognitive abilities, okay. particularly in the senior citizens. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And they're, instead of them just becoming popular games, they're subjecting them to FDA trial mm -hmm. so that they can actually prescribe the games oh, to seniors. That so that's pretty cool. And they said when they, you know, they had their subjects, they gave them their iPads or whatever to play the games. They didn't want to give them back. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I see that now. You know, I have an elderly father, yeah. um, although he would object to that term. <laughs> he's still a well, stud, right? Yeah. Um, he's at 90. He's 93. 90, yeah. And he's, he's doing great. And my yeah. dad is the nicest guy you ever want to meet. Um, but, you know, he, those, that kind of help would be so great. Yeah. Right? Um, so anyway, if you feel like playing some video games after you studied... Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go, go for, for it. it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I want to ask you about, like, how do you, um, if you could think about some times when you were personally faced with adversity, you know, maybe it was developing the college, maybe it was doing the expansion, maybe it was whatever. How, how, did, you, how did you respond to that? Yeah. Well, like, you know, you, in, you in business, I mean, unless you have a business that has no customers and no employees, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, doesn't exist. Right. Um, you're going to always have challenges, right? Yeah. And so, do you have, sort of have a sort of a, a compass, like a north star, or how do you how do you tether yourself to deal with adversities or challenges? You know, I think it's a pretty broad I, question. Yeah, I, you know, the personal development stuff that people refer to now, you know, personal growth, mm -hmm. meditation, mindfulness, is something that's been a habit in my life for a long time. Right. I mean, I started doing yoga in my teens, mm -hmm. um, was introduced to macrobiotics in my 20s, uh, Arika Institute, which is a meditation school, mm -hmm. same time. So, I mean, I, it's been 40 years of that kind of, you know, habit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm the last person in the world that you would say, oh, he's like a saint. I don't demonstrate that kind of demeanor, but there's a certain part I feel that only kind of the external effect mm -hmm. only goes so deep. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so there's a kind of a detachment, not a detachment that doesn't, so you don't say, I don't care. Right. But I know that it's going to be okay, uh -huh. right? Um, so when a student says, oh, you know, I mean, student complain about things, it's like right. you just kind of go, it's a, it's a problem to be mm -hmm. solved, mm -hmm. something to listen to, mm -hmm. try not to take it personally. Um, you know, to the most, for the most part, you, you do, right? You kind of yeah. like, it doesn't mean that some days you just go home and go, you know, what the? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it only goes down so deep. I think that's part of the meditation, you know? Yeah. It's like kind of, you know, you know, you're a Tai Chi expert, really. I mean, you, you know that center, right? That yeah. you just, you don't get thrown off that as easily as if you're just kind of 
if you're well one if your center is out in other people mm -hmm. like if I'm only doing it to so that you'll think I'm cool or I think you know it's not my my internal motivation is right. personal right yeah I think that's so, what I'm getting at is I I, I feel yeah. I sense in you that you you're you're you have a, a compass that's pointed north star is an analogy but that's sort of your your trajectory is always of integrity so you know when things what I observe from you is when you know the things are challenging or maybe you know quote unquote adverse situations you seem to always navigate you know without getting thrown and that's you know <laughs> well I appreciate you saying that and I'm glad I'm keeping up a good facade wow. <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's it's you know there's those habits and and that's why I really do encourage people to look at some of these old culture wisdoms mm -hmm. right and and i i really do adopt i mean even though my original introduction was yoga and that's kind of otherworldly you know the hindu uh, uh philosophies tend to be more uh mystical right well they were more religious too yeah. certainly right I, I mean really my background is the more Chinese perspective mm -hmm. and an objectivist perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not religious, right? right? Um, and uh, I'm materialistic mm -hmm. about this world. This is, I kind of let go, if there's something else, I'll take my chances when I get there. Yeah. I'm gonna make this the best it can be, yep. right? And, um, and that doesn't mean it, materialistic is just only, like, say, about getting money. No, Materialism this world. is about this world. Right. And, and so much of what we call spirituality, for me, is about consciousness, right? Yeah. So what's my artistic ability, right? What's my sensitivity to my friends and my appreciation of my friends, my love of my friends, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like that's as material as anything, right? Right. Um, and so... Uh, that, that's kind of and, and so I think the things like meditation and exercise can make you appreciate this world right yeah. I mean you feel healthy yeah you know Alex once told me he and it was a little bit of a disagreement I had I had not like an argument or anything Alex and I never argued I loved him so much yeah um, but uh, he said uh, what was it oh Buddhism says all life is suffering Mm. Right? So I thought about that. Because Alex, if Alex says something, I'm going to think about it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe 2,000 years ago. No. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, life was bad. Yeah. Most, unless you were the king, yeah. right? And that was real struggle. Yeah. So I'm not so sure if Buddha was here today, he'd go, he'd probably go, you know, suffering is a part of life. Yeah. But it's, uh, I life's not suffering right so there's it's it, so it's like by being healthy mm -hmm. right you feel good in the world mm -hmm. then the world seems good yeah right if you don't feel good right and so i mean you know genetics plays a big part in all that thing you know staying busy having a goal mm -hmm. reason to get up in the morning having good relationship thank god right i mean that's a big support right yeah and that makes life a good place yeah who, who do you think, um, you mentioned Alex, he's obviously a huge influence on, on my life, yeah, personally. Yeah. And um, who, who has influenced you the most in, in your life, if you were to think about? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's something, it's a nice question. 
you know, because it, it's, uh, I really like it, uh, because it, 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 it makes you think about all the people that yeah. have been in your life, right? Yeah. And, and I think who, influ- who, who has influ- influenced me the most mm-hmm. has been my friends. Yeah. Right? Now, you know, it's just like it's good to have positive friends. Totally. Right? Because, you know, they're the people who you kind of be, are like. Well, right? You, right. You, you become, yeah, you become you who you're surrounded. You become like you're exactly yeah. right, you yeah. know. So, yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, philosophical heroes and mm-hmm. spiritual heroes and educational heroes. Yeah. But when you think about who's, you know, the most influential, my wife, my best friends, yeah. you know, yeah. and I thank God for them. Um, was there a a moment or a period of time and maybe it's I mean you've been so prolific I think with with your uh, with your realization of your goals that you created but was there a moment or sort of a, a a place that you realized that you were really capable of doing things greater than what you thought you could do Or have you always just been kind of like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to set up this college. I'm yeah, gonna I, I don't. It's inter- it's an interesting question because I don't really think about it in those terms. I mean, maybe you know, if you were Bill Gates or something, and yeah. asked that question, like, wow, he's achieved like unbelievable. You know, so I don't really kind of see. You know, I guess in our little world, you know, I've done some pretty cool things, but I've been just kind of like one foot in front of the other in, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, yeah. right? I mean, I went to acupuncture school because um, it sounded cool, yeah. right? I was interested in the field. Um, you know, we didn't want to go to L.A. to go to either Guitar Institute or, or the chiropractic school, yeah. right? So yeah. It's like, okay, I'll do that, yeah. <laughs> right? And then, and then there's where I started to see, uh, you know, I was always a good student in high school, college, but... But there I was like, oh, I'm really good at studying this. Yeah. Right? So maybe it was then. So maybe I was like, well, you know, maybe. And then, I mean, I got to say, I I think it's really that Anna, Rick, and Alex, and Joe had confidence in me or took a chance on me, you know. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's all. uh, You know, those guys are so great. I mean, we had lunch every Tuesday for yeah. 20 years. That's amazing. Right? That's I mean, tight. It's so tight. And if anybody can, if you know, if you get anything from what I'm saying here is like if you can find a group of people that you can work with like that, yeah. you'll have the best gift that anybody can give you, whether you make a billion dollars or a nickel. Yeah. Right? It's just so great. Those guys are so great. They've always been super generous to me, very appreciative. Um, but the feeling is so mutual, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, from there, um, even though, like I said, it, when I was in New York, it wasn't so bad, but when I went to Chicago, I was like, oh, I felt a little bit like out on the ladder, you know, yeah. out, on, out on the gangplank. Yeah. But, I, you know, but still, you come back to San Diego, and then there's this team, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, that support network, for sure. You know, and again, having a great wife, man, you can't. Yeah, Leanne. You got to have awesome. that. Leanne, um, if you're listening, you're awesome. A- absolutely. Yeah. It's the thing that I'm probably most proud of is that someone like her yeah. could stand being around me. Oh, and, and Jack, your son, Jack Jr. Yeah, and he's your, wonderful. And his new bride. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Family. They're great kids. So, last question, then yeah. we'll wrap up here. So, what is, what's, 
where I mean, you got to be close to retirement. Man. <laughs> I mean, it's like you've been doing this so long. I know. It's what's true. the next five, ten years look like for you? I mean, you don't have to give uh, me the full yeah, retirement it's a good plan. Question. Well, I mean, for sure, we want to see the holistic health prep or the holistic coach thing. Yeah. You know, and um, see that fully realized. Although, even if I were to get hit by a bus now, it's in really, really good hands with you guys. I think you're, you know, um, you're kind of like Joe, Alex, and Joe, right? I mean, you, Lena, Todd, and Stacy, um, you really. It's not me just telling people what to do, right? I mean, you guys have as many ideas or more than me and, and really get what that program, what that subject can do for a graduate, yeah. right? And what they can really get out of it and how fun it could be, yeah. right? I mean, that's one of the things I, I would like to see. I mean, if I, if I did retire, you know, I mean, pro- I'm, I'm no kind of golfer. So <laughs> surf more. I could definitely surf more. Yeah. So you come down to my Indonesian surf camp and we'll talk. Um, yeah, I kind of slowed up on the race car driving a little bit, but um, you know, only to really kind of spend more time at home. And, yeah. um, but uh, you know, if if I would probably continue to do something in education, yeah. right? Um, whether it's at a grad level or lower, but I've always what I see that's missing. In a lot of educational institutions, not certainly not all of them, and there's some really great innovative educators, but education can be so much fun. Yeah. Right. I mean, human beings, our unique thing is knowledge. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't have claws. We're not the fastest. <laughs> we can't fly. Right? right. I mean, we gotta know stuff. Yeah. And we don't know stuff. We're in trouble. Right. So, if people could just if students understand that and appreciate it, right? Yeah. And and we create methods where we inspire kids to learn more and more. Yep. And I mean, and the internet now is just so great, oh, right? I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, you could learn almost anything on your own, really. Yeah. I mean, the cool what we provide as educators is um, the motivation. Mm-hmm the hierarchy of the knowledge right because you got to make sure you're doing it in the right order otherwise right. If you get something too advanced you can stop because right. it just confuse you right and you go i can't get it but if you do it step by step you can learn it and then the discipline mm-hmm. right i mean i used to tell students when i was interviewing i used to do the second interviews here right yeah. i would go all those books on my shelf if you just read all of them studied yeah. them hard enough you would know everything in the curriculum right who would do that yeah nobody on right. their own. On your own. No. Almost impossible. Very unusual. Mm-hmm. That's why, I mean, these great geniuses, right? The Leonardo's, the Galileo's, I mean, those guys, the Isaac Newton's that taught themselves and created that. I mean, they're they're, that, that is so rare, right? So, um, yeah, educators, we're not going to go out of business anytime soon, yeah. even with the Internet. But the Internet's a great tool for us, right? I mean, we want to use it in the HHP. I mean, well, yeah. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, right? I oh, mean, phenomenal. Phenomenal. You listen to her, her, her podcast. I mean, it's a PhD in a bottle. Yeah. Right? It's so great. I mean, Ben, uh, all these guys, Ben Greenfield, I mean, just fantastic information. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should be so proud of what they're doing and being yeah. able to get that information out there for yeah. people. And then, yeah, we're just going to use it. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are listening to your radio on long commutes, yeah, switch gears and put on a podcast. It's like a, oh, yeah. a commute university. Totally. Right now. Yeah, oh, yeah, good stuff out there. Yeah, for it's really sure. good. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Jack. Yeah, thanks, Greg. This yeah, was this fun. was awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. And uh, thanks, Miles, for the tech help. And uh, yeah, good job, Miles. For our listeners, we'll post the uh, the notes here as well, too. So. All right. Well. Catch you later. Yep. Yeah.